welcome back to Blue Skies and Green Pastures. I'm your host, Paula Adams. Thank you for joining me today. Our topic today is going to be a really interesting one. And it's going to be based on a blog that I wrote in June of 2022. But I'm going to have some updated news about the topic. And what is the topic? The topic is biogenetics and ethical dilemmas, specifically gene editing. Can you imagine a world without genetic disorders and disabilities? For example, no more Down syndrome, no more um, blind people, no more deaf people, no more cystic fibrosis, and all the many diseases caused by genetic um, disorders. Well, the fact is that we are not far away from that possibility. The rapidly developing science of biogenetics will provide the ability to not only predict and prevent, but also correct genetic mistakes. CRISPR-Cas9, which is all caps, C-R-I-S-P-R, CRISPR, is a technology that is a genetic engineering technique that involves cutting and splicing the genetic code of any living thing, including human beings. And it can be used to either take away or add certain desired traits to the DNA of the organism. It may sound like science fiction, but it is a reality that is already being used in labs today. But the problem is that scientific advances like CRISPR often create ethical dilemmas. Kind of similar to um, prenatal testing. Prenatal testing created the ethical dilemma of, oh, now we, we know that our child most likely or definitely has some kind of health problem and then the medical profession and the laws allow the parent to abort that baby. So having that advanced information led to a lot more abortions for the reason of genetic uh, defects of children. And sometimes those tests were not even accurate. So that was a real ethical dilemma. But I have a personal interest in the ethics of genetic engineering and genetic correction because I am the parent of a child with a genetic disorder. And um, so I have had to think about this. I've thought about, you know, what would I do if, if there came a time when maybe they could fix my child? Well, I think that... Um, we're not there yet, but probably I would say yes. <laughs> but only if it was a proven safe thing. And at this point, it's not. But I think we should all, as good, good citizens and good humans, 
be thinking about the possibility that um, that this could be a reality in our lifetime, you know, or our our children's children's lifetime. In other words, if our child, if our say we have a daughter and she gets pregnant, she may be given the option of genetically altering her embryos. Um, for some parents, it would be an easy answer. They automatically would or would not want to do anything to change their the embryo. But I I believe that it, probably a lot of people would would want to change it if they found out that their child was going to have some kind of debilitating condition. Of course, our religious and philosophical beliefs will play a big part in that decision. However, in in the reality of the moment, some of us might pick differently. So let's talk about biophysicist Hay John Kui, and that's probably not how you pronounce it. It's spelled, his first name is spelled H-E, so it might be he or the, I don't know. It's H-E-J-I-A-N-K-U-I. He was able to disable a gene that allows HIV to infect, infect cells. And his research caused a huge uproar among scientists. And many criticized him for conducting this illegal research. But I'm more, a minority of scientists believe that his research needs to be continued and that thanks to him, progress has, is being made in human genome editing. But what he did was he, he altered the DNA of twin embryos to see if he could prevent them from getting HIV, which seems like a, you know, a, a good cause, uh, um, like good intentions. But the thing is, there were, there's a, it was very risky and, and altering embryos means that the children of those embryos down the line, their genes will also be altered. So it's not a one-time thing. It's literally altering the human race. So as customized gene editing becomes a reality, more questions are going to be asked. The CDC believes that it is safe to genetically modify organisms such as mosquitoes to help prevent disease outbreaks. However, some argue that this is too risky and could create unintended ecological consequences that could affect the entire world. The social implications, ethics, and possibilities of using advances like CRISPR must be considered. Here are a few questions. Should human embryos be genetically modified for for those who simply want to design the perfect baby? What about the long-term effects in future generations? What will they be? And does altering the genes of, of unborn babies 
imply that people who are already born and that have that or born with genetic disorders are somehow not good enough. So what are the um what's the world going to be like if we eliminate all disorders? What what's going to happen to the people that already have them? Are they going to become considered, you know, a you know, a, a class uh, I don't know. And what about people what we would call nowadays neuroatypical, are they to be considered to have genetic disorders? In other words, are we going to start limiting the range of personalities and the range of, of expression? Or, so would we decide that being shy needed to be eliminated and edited out or... Um, People with, um, if they can determine a gene for um, hyperactivity, should that be edited out? And what about other things? I mean, if if you're if you came from a family with a long line of alcoholism, um, you might want to eliminate that gene. But what if that gene was also responsible for? great creativity not not that i'm saying it always is but definitely there have been you know a lot of really famous people that did great art there were famous um missionaries and Paul, you know um people just throughout history that suffered with depression and other mental symptoms but they but they left a big mark on history. So do we want to risk, you know, editing out the thing that may actually be related to the good things? Um does perfect what if what about the soul of the body? If we mess with if we start editing the human genome, how does that affect the soul? And where is God in this genetically altered future? Who, and here's a really um, like practical question. Who will determine who gets these expensive interventions? Obviously, in the beginning, they would, they would be very expensive. It's not like Medicaid is going to cover that. So... Would it create a class of you know people that are perfect, and then the rest of the the rest of the people who can't afford genetic alterations would be the lower class? And so right now they're not they're not really altering a lot of humans at the moment. It's not happening, but they are working with genetically altered plants and and just um and like other kinds of organisms in the for the purpose of creating food and I'm going to read some articles about that in just a minute so what about the safety for these genetically altered plants and foods and of course you know G- GMO seeds have been around for a long time 
And some people think they're great and some people think they're awful, terrible, dangerous. So they're controversial. Now, CRISPR is not the only controversial medical advancement. There there have been many. Um, for example, they've created something called cochlear implants that can enable people born deaf to be able to hear. But people from the deaf community, some people think that that's, that's a bad thing. They don't, they don't want to be altered like that. Um, and then we have just the, the cost of these medical technology advancements. Um, make them, like I said, not available to everyone. And also the cost of the research and development is just like billions and billions of dollars. And then, of course, those have to be recouped. And so where's the money going to come from? The money for the research and development and the money to buy these products, such as mRNA medicines and and testing and research and vaccines and all that are very expensive. And then if, if something successful comes out, if, if the money for those, the research and development came from the government, then is the company that sells the product going to get to patent it, such as Pfizer? So another, another ethical dilemma is that new technology and new medical breakthroughs have increased the lifespan of human beings. People are living longer, and that's a good thing. However, it, it sometimes means that people live longer, but they still require a lot of medical assistance, especially people with disabilities. So uh, increasing the lifespan of someone can be expensive. For example, my daughter, um, if she did not have a feeding tube and if she did not have seizure medicine and access to antibiotics and oxygen and feeding and a breathing treatments and things like that, she probably would have died a long time ago. But thanks to these medical treatments, she's still alive which we, as her parents, think is a great thing. But when you start adding up the cost of keeping, you know, millions of disabled people alive for, you know, 60 years or whatever their lifetime will be, you know, someone has to pay for that. So it is, a, it is an ethical, it is a practical and ethical dilemma. And there is also the question... You know, it's even a possibility that some of these disabled people who are kept alive through the benefits of modern medicine could outlive their family members, and the, such as my daughter. I mean, I never thought she would live this long, and now I'm starting to worry, what if I die before she does? Because the reality is, that our social system has not really advanced. And 
the way it is right now, uh, there, there may be a lot of money for medical research and things like that, but there's really not a lot of money to take care of disabled people. So that, that job falls on the family members. And at the you know last resort is putting the, a person like that in a nursing home, which is also very expensive. It's actually cheaper for disabled people to live at home with a family member. So if, um, if all the disabled children outlive, outlive their parents, someone's going to, they're going to all be put in nursing homes. And not only would that be terrible, but it would be expensive. So we have to think about those things. Um, we have to weigh, we have to think about the, the consequences of keeping people alive. And I mean, I know that sounds awful, but of course, and of course I want to keep my daughter alive. But I can also understand the dollars of it. And there is one, another uh, question. And that is um, that there are people who don't have children with disabilities who say, you know, why should my tax dollars have to go to keep your child alive? Because, because you know, my daughter Grace, she gets Social Security, which is not a lot, like 500 a month and she gets um, Medicaid benefits so all her Medicaid medical care is paid for by tax dollars and um, she gets some benefits for um, having a, a caregiver but unfortunately the pay that that Medicaid provides for a for some you know like respite care is really low. So even though the money's there, it's really hard to find anyone to take that job. So, but anyway, it's still a lot of money in the in the budget that some people think shouldn't be there because, you know, why why should they have to pay for my disabled child? That's what they think. Well, you should have aborted that child or you never should have had that child. You should have had whatever. Well, I mean, I can understand how they feel, but Human life is is val you know has value, and my daughter's life has value. So I would be happy to argue with those people. I'm just saying that a lot of people do have those kind of beliefs. And as more as fewer and fewer people um, believe in God, then fewer and fewer people are going to be concerned about the fact that humans are made in the image of God. So. As more and more prenatal tests predict more and more accurately uh, based on DNA that a child is going to have a genetic disorder, there's probably going to be, you're going to have the option eventually, right now the option is to to have an abortion. But eventually the option is going to be, well, you know, we can fix that. (laughs) So... Are, if we, are we saying that people with genetic disorders should not be allowed to live? You either fix them or abort them? You know, is it going to come down to that? So the, the questions are going to be important 
as policymakers, um, you know, wrestle with budgets and insurance companies, um, the the bean counters they they pay attention to who who is expensive when it comes to insurance, you know, healthcare, and and pro social programs. So I said I was going to read you some some articles. So let me go to. Okay, so this is an article about that scientist, the Hei Jian Kui. And it says, the CRISPR baby scientist is back. Here's what he's doing next. And I'm going to try to read that, but I may have to have an, an account. Let's see. It says, he shocked the world when he announced that he had used CRISPR to alter the genetic makeup of human embryos which were used to establish pregnancies and resulted in the birth of the world's first gene-edited babies. Backlash against him was harsh and swift. He was found guilty in a Chinese court of illegal medical practice and sentenced to three years imprisonment. He was released in April. And in recent months, he has taken to Twitter to publicize his next steps. He says he has started a new lab in Beijing and wants to pursue gene therapy, an approach that attempts to correct inherited diseases by replacing faulty genes with new healthy ones, as well as gene editing. He said he wants to help families with rare diseases, but plans to treat people who already have these disorders, not prevent them by making changes to embryos as he did with the CRISPR babies. So he's saying he's not going to change the embryos. He's going to work with people who are already alive. So the first disease he wants to tackle is Duchenne muscular dystrophy a rare and devastating genetic disorder that causes gradual muscle loss and almost exclusively affects boys. So did I say this is on wired.com? So um, he says, these people are suffering and I want to help them. Um, His apparent return to science raises questions about whether researchers who engage in misconduct should be accepted back into the scientific community and how their subsequent work should be viewed. I think he has the persistence and patience to come back to research, says Samira Kiani, an associate professor professor of pathology at the University of Pittsburgh and the producer of the new documentary, Make People Better, which chronicles the Hay Affair. So... This person made a documentary about what he did. I think he has some noble intentions, but he's also a very ambitious person, she says. Some scientists think he deserves a chance to prove that he's capable of producing scientifically valid and ethically sound work. Um, Others have concerns about his plans. I would not want this guy anywhere near any sort of clinical trial or in a context in which therapies are being developed and given to patients, says Karan Musunuru, 
a cardiologist and gene editing expert at the University of Pennsylvania who authored The CRISPR Generation, a book about the history of gene editing and the Chinese babies. He did illegal and grossly unethical experiments in secret, and now he wants to pick up as if nothing happened, says Hank Greeley, a professor of law at Stanford University and author of the book CRISPR People, which explores the science and ethics of human gene editing. I don't think science should accept him back, at least not without some more time and some indication that he understands, accepts, and acknowledges that he screwed up. Greeley thinks, for now, scientific journals should refuse to publish papers by him. Uh, Let's see. Academics are divided on whether he should be allowed to attend and speak at scientific events. So, as you can see, he, that's his name, he got himself into quite a bit of trouble. Now, here was another article that I was going to check out. It says, a CRISPR moves into the clinic a mere decade after its discovery. Oh, I only get one free article. or one. I get two. And this is called chemistryworld.com. CRISPR moves into the clinic. And it was written by Brian Owens and pu- published... December 19th, 2022. Um, So it says, when Jennifer Doudna and Emmanuel Charpentier revealed that the bacterial CRISPR-Cas9 antiviral defense system could be reprogrammed to edit genomic DNA, they could scarcely have imagined the impact their discovery would have. One Nobel Prize, and a decade later, treatments based on the technique are racing towards the clinic. So, there are three main reasons why CRISPR is such a promising and effective tool for developing new treatments. First, it is highly specific and easy to customize. It can be directed to essentially any gene of interest and should affect only that gene. Second, because it can rewrite the native genome, it has the ability to fix genetic diseases in a single dose. Many of the diseases being targeted are treated by chronically administered medicines, but CRISPR is a one-and-done technology. And I must admit, if it works, I think it would be awesome to fix messed-up genes. However, I wrote another article about how genes are constantly being altered by environmental conditions such as stress, pollution, our diets, and other things. So we would probably have to have an ongoing CRISPR therapy throughout our lives. And who knows, maybe we will. So the furthest treatment along the clinical pathway is a treatment for the blood disorders, sickle cell disease, and beta thalassemia. Both of these are caused by a defective form of the gene that produces hemoglobin in red blood cells. And a CRISPR-based drug called Exocell has shown great promise in curing both diseases with a single dose. 
Exocell works by editing a patient's blood stem cells with CRISPR to switch on the fetal version of the hemoglobin gene, which is not affected by either disease. Once chemotherapy wipes out the diseased stem cells in the body, the edited ones are reintroduced to take their place in the bone marrow where they produce new red blood cells with healthy fetal hemoglobin. Hmm. So you still have to have chemotherapy, looks like. That doesn't sound so good. Um... Other companies are pursuing a more direct and more challenging route of delivering CRISPR in vivo to fix the problem inside the body itself. One such company is Intellia Therapeutics. They have two drug candidates and in early stage clinical trials for a condition called ATTR, uh, transthyretin amyloidosis a protein folding disorder that affects the nerves, heart, kidneys, and eyes, and another one called hereditary angioedema, which causes severe unpredictable, unpredictable swelling in various parts of the body. Each condition is caused by a mutation in one gene, and the drugs work by using CRISPR to knock out the mutated gene, reducing the circulating levels of the defective protein. The drugs are infused directly into the patients with the CRISPR machinery encased in lipid nanoparticles that are preferentially taken up by the liver where the genes are most active. So pay attention to the news and we will find out if anybody dies from these trials. Says... Um, Cost considerations. The first CRISPR drugs will probably have eye-watering price tags. While CRISPR has the potential to be much cheaper than other gene therapies, which can cost anywhere from $500,000 to $3.5 million a year per patient, the first CRISPR drugs will probably still be quite expensive, somewhere north of $2 million. Okay, so yeah, we're, we're back to that. But like I said, it starts out expensive and then it gets cheaper if it becomes mainstream. Okay, so we're going to keep an eye out on those, those CRISPR drugs that are being tested on actual humans. But listen to this one. The first CRISPR gene edited meat is coming. Joshua Marsh, CEO of Sci-Fi Foods, is using the gene editing tech to bring down the cost of making traditional meat from cells. Yummy, yummy. So, okay, so this is an article in Fast Company and it's written by Larissa Zimbaroff. And the date is yesterday. So the date was January 8th, 2023. That's right, today is January 9th, 2023. So say your job is to grow monumental amounts of animal muscle cells to make a steak. Your job is also to convince investors that this mission is viable and will make them money. 
Joshua March is the CEO and co-founder of Sci-Fi Foods, a cultivated meat startup based in San Leandro, an industrial town near San Francisco. Okay, so they have been working on this cultivated meat thing for a while, but I, I read that the sales of these products are really bad. So I really don't think that we're going to be eating this stuff on a wide scale anytime soon unless something happens to remove all the animals like, you know, avian flu or some kind of pork virus or, you know, you know, yeah, you get my drift. If they do something to kill off all the animals, then we're going to be eating these cultivated meat products really sounds disgusting to me. Uh, using CRISPR, we'll have cell lines that don't need growth factors, just simple cell culture, sugars, fat, and amino acids. He says, so this will bring a thousand-fold reduction of costs. And it will. it is hard to believe that any type of um, genetic manipulation in bioreactors would give them an equal drop in cost of production. So he's saying that his uh, his CRISPR method is going to be way cheaper than bioreactors. Bioreactors is another way of of producing weird food from cells that scientists think is awesome and most people do not want to buy. Okay, so we got that in the news about CRISPR. And if you want to read more news about CRISPR, you can just type in CRISPR without an E in your Google search box and, and click on the News tab, and you'll find a lot of different things. Okay, last one. Uh, CRISPR Therapeutics AG, which is a stock, dips more than broader markets. So that one is saying that the stock for CRISPR therapeutics went down. And that is probably because of this article. Gene editing biotech graphite halts CRISPR study after safety scare. Well, I can't click on that one because I'm pretty sure that that is a paid site. So let me see if I can find another article about that. Graphite Bio Market Beat announces voluntary pause. Oh, Graphite Bio sinks 45% after halting early stage trial of sickle cell. Remember that one we were just reading about that was supposed to be so great? Well, they had to pause it after an ad, a serious adverse event in the first patient dosed with the drug Nulacell. Um, the company's conclusion is that the event is likely related to study treatment. He, the patient had a prolonged low blood cell counts requiring ongoing transfusion and growth factor support after being given the... CRISPR drug. So 
maybe we're not as close to actually being treated with these drugs as they want us to think, as they want investors to think, because really it's all about getting investments. So that is the current status about CRISPR. The money is still going in and they're still hoping that they're going to be able to use CRISPR for cancer treatments, vaccines, and all kinds of medical breakthroughs, but at the time they really they're not they're not that close. So um just pay it, you know, keep an eye on it. It'll be interesting to see how this develops over the years. So in the meantime, let's just keep on taking good care of the disabled people in the world, no matter how much it costs. And really, it doesn't have to be that expensive if uh, we stop jacking up the prices just so that certain companies can get rich. Because there's really no reason that a simple child's wheelchair should cost ten or fifteen thousand dollars. There's no reason that you know drugs that have been on the market for twenty years should should not be like super cheap. There's no reason that you know diapers and basic you know f- feeding supplies for disabled people should be so expensive. But as long as the government's the one buying it, the price is going to be jacked up. But anyway, if you see a disabled person, give them a smile and thank God for them because they matter too, just like you do and just like I do. So thanks for listening to Blue Skies and Green Pastures.